Hello and welcome to the Retirement Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Greg Gonzalez. My goal for the podcast is to help you live a better life in retirement by giving you the tools and information you need in a language that you can understand. If you're a new listener to the podcast, like I said, my name is Greg Gonzalez. I'm a certified financial planner in St. Louis, Missouri with clients in about 20 different states. I think it's 19 now. So Monday through Friday, and sometimes on weekends, I'm a retirement planner. So I work with a lot of people that are 50 and over that are trying to plan for a successful retirement. And I help them make the smart decisions when it comes to their planning, and I try to steer them away from all the bad decisions. And the thing about retirement planning is it doesn't have to be that complicated. And on this podcast, we try to cover the basic fundamentals so you can become brilliant at the basics. Now, there's not any one book out there on retirement planning that you can read and just immediately go put it to work and have a great outcome. It's kind of like golfing. If I wanted to become an excellent golfer, I can't just read a book on how to play golf and then expect to go out there and compete with Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods. But what can I do? I can, I can practice and I can hire a coach. And there was a story that I've shared on the podcast before, but years ago, there was a golfer named Davis Love III. He was a professional PGA golfer. And when they were interviewing him, they asked him, you know, how do you become so good at golf? You're a professional golfer. You On weekends, you're playing in these tournaments for millions of dollars, but how do you become so good? And he said, well, what you don't see is I'm practicing every single day during the week to prepare for these tournaments. And his brother was actually his golf coach. And he said, even during the week, he was practicing day in and day out. And he said, there's, there's three things, three basic fundamentals to get really, really good at the game of golf. And he equated that to grip, stance, and alignment. He said during the week, 90% of his time was focused on grip, stance, and alignment. He said, if you can become brilliant at the basic fundamentals of golf, you can be a really, really good golfer, but you just got to focus on the basic fundamentals. It's the same with retirement planning. That's why we want to focus our time on the basics. These basic fundamentals of retirement planning or financial planning will really set you ahead. That'll get you 90% of the way there. Now, these past couple of weeks, I've been having a lot of conversations with not only clients, but also podcast listeners. As a reminder to the podcast listeners out there, I do offer a 30-minute retirement coaching session. So if you're interested in that, check out my website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. On the homepage, you'll see where you can sign up for that 30-minute retirement coaching session. There's a link to my calendar, and you can find a convenient time and in that 30-minute phone meeting, we can talk about what questions you have about retirement, where you're stuck, maybe some things that are concerning you about retirement and in your personal retirement plan. And I've really enjoyed the, the conversations I've been having with listeners and current clients. Some of the listeners end up becoming clients if there's a good fit. But there's three main themes that have been popping up over and over during these retirement coaching calls over the past several weeks. And these three themes, in no particular order, are in regards to life insurance and should one keep life insurance after you retire. Number two, the second theme is, hey, I'm getting into retirement. I don't want to lose money. I'm sick of losing money with the market being down this year. How do I protect myself? And then number three, it's in regards to legacy planning 
beneficiary planning? And how do you come up with a game plan to be fair and equitable to both your kids and your grandkids? And how do you do so in a way that's wise where nobody feels like they're getting shorted? Now, keep in mind that every family is totally different, and there have been some very, very interesting discussions we've had on this last theme. And keep in mind that that every person is different, they have different goals, and certainly their family dynamics are different. So sometimes we have to kind of pivot and adjust the planning that we do ahead of time based on your goals and what you want it to look like at the end of the day. But that last theme, man, we get into some interesting conversations. And so that's what we'll talk about on the last part of the episode today. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to remind listeners, you can submit your questions to my website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. At the very bottom, it says, ask Greg a question. Feel free to submit your questions there, as well as check out our free resources underneath the resource tab. All right, let's jump into today's episode talking about these three themes, these three listener questions that people are concerned about during our 30-minute retirement coaching sessions. Okay, theme number one or, or topic number one that people have top of mind, it seems like lately, is in regards to life insurance. Should I keep life insurance? Should I continue my life insurance through retirement? Now I'm retired. I don't have this income anymore. Does it make sense to keep my life insurance in place. So first off, I'll say, hey, there's not a one size fits all. There's some people that I do recommend, hey, keep your life insurance intact while you're retired, or at least maybe during a certain amount of time in retirement. Maybe it's throughout the rest of your life. But first, we have to determine if a need is still there, if a need is still present, that we need this life insurance in place. In other words, is there a risk that we're trying to transfer to an insurance company, and that risk being the risk of premature death of one of the spouses. Now, when somebody's working, typically we're trying to insure their income, right? So let's assume, let's say a husband and wife scenario, husband makes $100,000 a year. We want to have life insurance in place. Most often it's it's term life insurance or maybe group insurance coverage through your his employer so that in the event of his premature unexpected death, that his wife would be able to financially sustain herself and keep the financial house in order at that point. So at the end of the day, she would have this tax-free death benefit that would allow her to have a bright future as a widow. So certainly when somebody's working, again, we're trying to protect their income, right? And their not only current income, but also future income. Well, where does it also make sense to have life insurance once you're retired? So think if we have maybe a lifetime income in the form of a pension, where let's say the husband has a pension that's $5,000 per month. What some people will say is if they don't end up taking the joint and survivor option, meaning if something happened to the husband, his pension would still pay out to his wife for the rest of her life. Some people will take only the single life on that pension, on the husband's pension, and then go and buy a life insurance policy on the husband's life and make his wife, the spouse, the beneficiary of that life insurance policy. That's a very, very popular plan. So certainly when there's a pension in place, 
And that is a, a pension is an annuity. It's a lifetime income stream. When that's in place, some people will continue to have life insurance in retirement. Also, do we have any dependent children? Have you maybe adopted any kids or grandchildren that depend on your financial support? Well, in those instances, certainly we may want to have life insurance in place. Now, one conversation that I had with a podcast listener, they said something to the effect of, hey, they had a term life insurance policy that was in place, and I want to say their monthly premium was like $60. It it was something very, very affordable, and it still had two or three years left on it. And so they thought, well, at this point, maybe our assets, our 401k and retirement accounts are at the point where our nest egg is enough. We don't necessarily need the life insurance, but at only $60 a month, we just feel more comfortable just keeping those in place because it's so cheap. I'm okay with that. I'm certainly okay with that. That extra $60 a month for the life insurance is not going to make or break your retirement plan, but it certainly gives you some peace of mind. Now, whenever this, this was a 20-year term policy, so whenever that matures in two or three years, the premium is going to go sky high. So at that point, it may make more sense to kind of cancel the policy. So kind of recapping here is we we want to first determine if life insurance is still a need in your financial picture. And I will argue for many people, yes, it it feels good to have it, to have that protection in place, but a lot of people don't need the insurance anymore. And what I mean by that is their spouse, should something happen to them, their spouse would be A-OK because their retirement nest egg and other resources that they might have are enough to sustain that other spouse's, the surviving spouse's lifestyle for as long as they happen to live. And for many people, that's an expense. The the cost of the premium for the life insurance is an expense that we can kind of scratch off the list and reduce our overall expenses in retirement. So that's always an interesting conversation. Should we keep life insurance in place as we look ahead at retirement? Theme number two that keeps popping up on these retirement coaching calls for podcast listeners is this idea that I don't want to lose any more money, right? I'm sick of my retirement nest egg. My different retirement accounts go down and down and down with this 2022 stock market. And even this bond market as well, if you own bond mutual funds or bonds, this market with rising interest rates in 2022 has not been kind to bond investors. So it's been sort of a brutal year in 2022 with not only our investments in the stock market have have subsided, but also our fixed income investments might be down due to uh, interest rates rising. So naturally, people are looking for more safety, and especially those people closer to retirement. Of course, they're scared seeing their investment portfolio declining 10, 15, 20%, depending on how they're invested. So my advice for these listeners is to get a good temperature check right now, right? Let's figure out what your risk score is. What is your appetite for risk at this point in time in your life? And I think what we have found with some people these last few years is maybe they were taking more risk than they were really comfortable taking because the market was going up and up and up. And then 2022 hit and we kind of had a big setback. So my best advice, if you're one of those people, if you're in that camp of, hey, I'm sick of losing money, I want to do something to protect what I have at this point, 
well, let's, I, I would recommend taking a risk score to understand kind of where you fall. And then also looking at your portfolio, your investment portfolio to see how it scores, because it may be a lot higher than, than your risk appetite. And if that's the case, you're probably going to need to make some changes and make some adjustments and maybe put more money, maybe put a portion of your investment portfolio into something that's more conservative. And it may or may not be fixed income bonds, things like that. Maybe it's something like a high yield money market or other investments that cannot go down. But one thing I will add is if you're going to be an investor, and we talk about this on the podcast a lot, you should be in it for the long term. I've said it many, many times on the podcast, a 62-year-old non-smoking couple is projected to live until 92, meaning if it's a traditional marriage, a husband and wife, the wife is projected to make it until 92. So we're planning for 30 years. In other words, your, your money's going to be invested for the next 30 years if you're this hypothetical 62-year-old non-smoking couple. So we need your money to work for you for the next 30 years. So the whole idea of keeping score in monthly increments, I think can be very, very short-sighted. I spoke with someone just this past week who said that he didn't want to see his IRAs, his Roth IRAs, retirement accounts, ever go down in value. And his current financial advisor had, quote, lost him $7,000 last month. And he said that he didn't want to see the money go down. He didn't want to lose any more money. So that told me a couple things about this nice gentleman is that he was taking more risk than he was comfortable taking with his investment portfolio, but also that he had a skewed idea of volatility versus permanent loss. If his, let's just say he had $100,000 in his IRA and Roth IRA, if it went down to $93,000 and there's a $7,000 reduction in the value of what he could sell his investments for. Now, the next month, that $93,000 could pop back up to $100,000. So he didn't lose that $7,000. There was just a, a temporary price decline in the investments. If you go and gamble that $7,000, take it to the casino and you gamble it away and it's, then it's gone. Yes, then you lost it. But as long as he didn't sell any of the investments, they could certainly pop back up and readjust the price maybe of Pepsi-Cola or Coca-Cola or Johnson & Johnson, maybe he owns stocks in his IRAs and Roth IRAs, certainly they could rise next month and, and he could make it all back. So his idea of volatility and risk was very skewed. He did not want to see a monthly statement where his balance was going down. And so what's, what that's going to mean is, it sounds like more conservative investment vehicles are going to be what he's comfortable with. And what that means is long-term, his rate of return, his average rate of return is going to have to be less because it's more risk, more return. That's how investments generally work over time, as long as you give them time to grow. So if you're in that camp again, you'll want to reevaluate, hey, maybe you need to redo your retirement plan and adjust the average rate of return of your portfolio 
down. Maybe you're only anticipating a a 3% rate of return for the next 30 years because you don't have a lot of risk appetite at this point in time. That's okay. It's just we need to have realistic growth assumptions on your retirement nest egg. And on the flip side, you might be like me. You might understand the market goes up, the market goes down. If as long as I put together a diversified portfolio, I can stomach the ups and downs because I know the trend is up long term. I just have to be patient and let my quality investments work for me. But the first step is to check your risk appetite score. And the last theme that keeps popping up into conversations on retirement coaching calls with listeners is in regards to beneficiary planning and legacy planning. And and maybe it's just because I I ask questions. I I try to ask really good questions. And sometimes it's items that, that people haven't thought about. But I have learned over the years, if I don't ask these questions, who will? Who will? Who cares about you enough to ask these tough questions? So there were two different conversations I had with listeners over the past couple of weeks. One in particular was very interesting. It was a couple that it was both of their second marriages, right? And the wife had a son from her previous marriage and a daughter with her current husband. And her current husband did not have any other children. He just had this one biological daughter, but he also had this stepson who was, again, the wife's son from the previous marriage. Now, after talking to this couple about their kids, their son and daughter, they said they wanted to leave the daughter more money because she just had a mom and dad, whereas the son, he actually had two dads. He had a biological dad and a stepdad. So he was set to inherit double the money from the two dads and, of course, his biological mother. And so their thinking was, well, their daughter would get less money because she was only the heir of mom and dad, not a mom and a stepdad, and then also his dad and stepmother. But my question back to them was, how do you know that the biological father has his estate planning in order? And how do you know how much that is, right? How much his net worth is and his nest egg is? And how do you know that he's assigned this son As his beneficiary, he could have named anybody else. And quite frankly, he could leave it all to his new wife, the stepmom. And then what if she spends through it in her lifetime and this son gets nothing? So my thinking was there were some assumptions that this nice couple was making that may not necessarily be true. Well, then it kind of got into the heart of the matter. And the wife said, well, kind of our son is really, really bad with money. So one of the reasons why we wanted to leave him less money than the daughter was because she's more responsible and she's going to make wise decisions with it. And whereas he would make very, very poor choices, we would assume, based on his past. So just by asking more questions and getting a better understanding of their goals and what's going on here, we determined, hey, why disinherit the son giving the daughter more money? And what about thinking about the grandchildren? Because both the son and the daughter had children of their own, so they had four grandchildren. So what they were going to do, of course, they were going to talk about this and really get a a better discussion going on what they really wanted and what's going to be fair here between the son and the daughter. That might involve, we talked about a trust, a living revocable trust, 
also 529 college savings plans, maybe for the grandchildren and what those would look like. So sometimes there's a lot of thought that needs to go into this, especially if you have a blended family or you have the family dynamics are a little complicated. That's okay. It's just more thought needs to go into it. I had another conversation with a podcast listener who wanted to give certain parts of his portfolio, like certain accounts and assets to different children. And the problem with doing this is, is you want to make it fair. He wanted to make it fair. But the problem is if you're going to give the IRA, which is all pre-tax money to your son, and then your other son gets the, the Roth IRA, which is the same value, it's all going to be inherited tax-free. Well, that's not fair. If you're giving the one son $500,000 IRA that's all pre-tax, maybe after taxes, he's left with three hundred and fifty dollars or 400000 versus the other son gets the whole 500000 in a Roth IRA that's tax-free. I don't really think that's fair. And then if you leave the daughter your home, well, is, is the home really valued at $500,000? Could she get $500,000 from that home if she sold it? And he said, well, she wants the home. And I said, yeah, she may want the home now, but is she going to want it in 20 years, 30 years? So these are all discussions that we have to talk through. And believe me, you're hearing it from me first. I have a, a pastor who's a client, very, very nice guy, very bright guy. And he said he has seen more families torn apart after a death than anything else in this world. It's either because things are not set up properly, somebody feels like they're doing all the work, maybe one of your heirs, your children, feels like they're getting shorted for some reason. And he told me it is the saddest thing to see, to watch unfold, if things are not set up properly, if they're not planned for ahead of time. So, you know, with proper planning, we can make this transition from one generation to the next, a totally seamless process without probate, with minimal taxes, and very little headache for your children. It just has to be done properly, and we got to make sure that all your ducks are in a row. So I hope this episode of the Retirement Made Easy podcast has been helpful today. I'll continue to share these conversations that I'm having with podcast listeners through our 30-minute retirement coaching calls. They've been really, really a lot of fun for me. If you have questions, check out my website, retirementmadeeasypodcast.com. I'll see you next week. And remember, always dream big. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, please consult your attorney, tax advisor, or financial advisor prior to investing. This is a hypothetical example and is not representative of any specific investment. Your results may vary. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices mentioned are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. The SmartVestor program is a directory of investment professionals. Neither Dave Ramsey nor SmartVestor are affiliates of St. Louis Retirement Advisors or LPL Financial. There is no guarantee that a diversified portfolio will enhance overall returns or outperform a non-diversified portfolio. Diversification does not protect against market risk. All investing involves risk, including loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, Memra FINRA, SIPC. 